0: Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Well, good morning again. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this Wednesday, October the sixteenth. What is your withing ministry of presence today? Uh, if you just think about that for a moment, um, uh, uh, there's a different way of asking that. Uh, your your withing ministry or your ministry of presence is could also be answered by um, who are you going to sit with today? Who are you sitting with today? In their distress, so I'm thinking here about the way in which job's friends should have just continued to sit with him and instead <clears throat> started talking. Uh, but there's a withing ministry that exists for each and every one of us as Christians as we walk with people who are in the valley of the shadow of of death, people who are walking through all kinds of uh, all kinds of grief in this life. there's a withing. That takes place. It's a ministry of presence. It's incarnational. Uh, there's a lot of power. I mean, there's so much power in the simple declaration or affirmation or commitment, "I am with you." So, to whom today do you need to say, "I am with you," that they will know that first of all they are not alone. Um, they have a companion for whatever horrendous stretch of life is it, 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 they're currently enduring. Um, and that you're not you're not gonna leave nor forsake. Why? Because you are with them in the Spirit of Christ. You are with them um, as uh, you know as Christ is with us, right? Okay, so here's what brings me around to this conversation today. I uh, I have read about some women who are from Bosnia, uh, whose who continue to grieve the massacre of their sons and husbands and brothers and fathers um, when when Bosnia was going through its civil war. They are today beginning uh, to travel some 1,700 miles away to a town in eastern Turkey. So Bosnia and in, in this little town in eastern Turkey are like 1,700 miles apart. These Muslim moms are going to sit with A woman who is uh, who in her grief simply sat down in front of what you and I would think of as the equivalent of a police station. And she just sat there. So this uh, she was sitting alone, bereft and desperate. Um, And other women who share her experience have been sitting in solidarity with her thousands of miles away because they share her grief. They share the grief of having a child who has been abducted into um, forced being a soldier, like forced to be a soldier if we 're a terrorist organization, so many of these women who sit in Bosnia with a woman sitting in turkey they 're all sitting for the same reason um they're all um they 've all lost sons or husbands or brothers uh to war in ways that um you and i you know it's not it's not voluntary. Uh, this is people being kidnapped and abducted into being child soldiers, um, or simply just being slaughtered um, for showing any opposition to the terrorist cause. So they, these women, are going to sit with this other Muslim mom, and I, I think there's a testimony in simply acknowledging this is not the way that it's supposed to be, um, and that you are not alone in what you are experiencing even though you are absolutely powerless um, to change the reality that you are currently in. So uh, today, I want you to remember that God draws near to us. God came to be with us in the person of Jesus Christ through the incarnation. God with us. Withing. Ministry of presence. And so we who are in Christ, we who are with Christ now, in turn, incarnate the gospel to this generation. We have a ministry today of withing a ministry of presence. So who are you going to sit with today? Who are you going to sit with? Who are you going to be with today as the Lord is with you? We'll be right back. All right, Bill English is back from Bibleandbusiness.com. Welcome, my friend.
1: Hey, thank you. Welcome. How are you today?
0: I'm well, thank you. Are I'm you? well. I'm well, good. Um, yeah, it's the middle of fall break.
1: And I bet you haven't gotten below 50 degrees down in sunny no. Tennessee, have you? I don't
0: know. I don't know. It might. There might have been a night that, that fell below 50 uh, recently, yes. Uh, here's what's happening in my family today. The plumber is coming back to actually uh, fix The water main that broke under our poured concrete driveway. We've been living off of a garden hose for the last few days. That's been kind of exciting. And my husband is returning from Colorado uh, as we speak with another beast. So there you go. That's that's what's going on here. Um, Okay. What's going on there?
1: What's going on here? I have now 46 games, basketball games on my calendar to officiate this fall, (laughs) this winter.
0: Oh, see, here is something I didn't know about you. Yeah. This is... Do you have to run around on the court and keep up with them? That yes. seems like a lot of, uh, that's, wow.
1: And at 58, that gets harder and harder. I turned 59 in January and uh, I go to the gym every day, uh, work out. I try to get two to three miles on the elliptical and I lift weights and do all the rest of it. But yeah, I've now got, uh, through the local officials association here, I got 46 games I'm going to do this year.
0: Okay. And this is high school. This is league. What is this? These high school. Adults. Who are high these school,
1: nine, oh, Ninth through varsity. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, pour it, pour goodness into their lives and show um, periodic <laughs> mercy. There you go.
1: Periodic mercy.
0: Periodic mercy. Um, okay. So um, uh, David, we, you yes. and I have been, we have been surveying the life of David. Um, we have been doing this now for very, very many weeks. Today's the day we're going to like wrap this whole thing up with a bow. We're going to let people know you can go to bibleinbusiness.com. You can sort of get the summary of all of the lessons um, posted there. Lessons Learned from the Life of David Before He Came King. Let's just kind of roam around in, uh, in some of them and, and unpack a few again.
1: Yeah, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to do that. Just so the listener knows, these lessons are—we didn't talk about all these lessons on the air. and I so know. I um, noticed that. I pulled I these like- from the PowerPoint that I used to originally teach this series at church. I've put the PowerPoint up in the download section for free. All you gotta do is go get it and you can use the PowerPoints. So all I ask is that if you publish something with my content that you give me attribution. That's all I ask.
0: And a link back yeah, to and the Bibleandbusiness.com. Sure. Like yeah. that's the that's the nice appropriate way to do that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay, so again you can go to Bibleandbusiness dot com, you can get uh the 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 list and you can also download the PowerPoint. It's all right there um today. Yep. Okay. So, Bill, um, we don't have to go through all of them. Maybe let's talk about some of the ones we skipped.
1: Yeah, that would be a good. I'd like that.
0: Okay. Well, that means that I'm going to have to recognize which ones those are on this oh, giant I, list. Oh, I,
1: I got it. Do the first know? one, The first I'm one. Sorry. our sin may not accurately reflect our heart for God. How many times do we sin and we look at that and we go, but that isn't who I am. It's kind of that Paul thing in Romans, the thing that I don't want to do, I do, and the thing that I do want to do, I don't do. And so our sin may not accurately reflect our heart for God. And, I, and we get that from, from David's piece of of how the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed murder, he committed adultery, and a bunch of other things, and uh, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. So our sin may not accurately reflect our heart for God. That's that's one that I take great comfort in.
0: Oh, that is that is. Let's not. We're gonna, not going to use it as an excuse, but yes, no, absolutely, right. totally, totally true. Um, and then you've got David and Saul provide us examples on what not to do as well as what to do.
1: Right. So you know when when Saul uh, goes and he sacrifices early, he's supposed to wait for Samuel to come and sacrifice, and instead he sacrifices early, uh, and and Samuel says, you know the the entire. Uh, uh, kingdom has been torn out of your hand uh, because you have gone ahead of what God wanted you to do. There are there are plenty of situations where Saul is a good example of what not to do in leadership, what not to do as a person who's following God. And David also sometimes is the same way. You know, he gets angry. He wants to go kill Nabal. I know I'm bouncing around here and assuming people know these stories, and I'm sorry for that, but he wants to go kill Nabal. And he is angry as all get out, and, and he's headed down there. And if, if it wasn't for Nabal's wife uh boy he would have probably committed murder so there there are plenty of situations where we don't do what what what's illustrated there
0: all right to uh to understand um to learn about uh, all of the stories that we talked about in in the context of our conversations about the leadership lessons we learned learn from the life of David um first Samuel is the book in the Bible that you want to read and so we're going to encourage you to read first Samuel learn these stories about David um, and and then grab this wonderful study guide, uh, Lessons Learned from the Life of David Before He Became King, at BibleAndBusiness.com. Uh, Bill English and I will be right back to touch on a few more. All, All right. Bill English is here from BibleAndBusiness.com. We are sort of doing a, a summary review of the leadership lessons that we learn from the life of David. So let's talk, Bill, about being yourself in your calling, the test of authenticity.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I remember when I was first graduating from seminary, I tried to sound like Chuck Swindoll from the pulpit. Of course, I was <laughs> by myself in a room, right? And, and you know, it, it didn't work very well. And uh I, that was one of the experiences that kind of led me to this idea that you gotta be yourself in your calling. You simply have to be who you are. Now, in the, in the story of David, we get this from his fight with Goliath and how Saul wants to put on all this armor around David and David's going, no, you know, this is too heavy, it's too clunky. Just let me go out there with some stones and a sling and I'll, and with God, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of Goliath, right? Being yourself in your calling, uh, for, One of the ways to know kind of who you are in your calling is to look back over the last 10 years or so, maybe 15, but look over, over the last 10 years and say to yourself or ask God, what was it in ministry that really tripped my trigger and in what situations did that seem to happen? And when you can kind of quantify that and look at that, you'll start to get a sense of who you are in your calling and what God wants to lead you to.
0: So Bill I'm often I think people struggle a lot with this. I think that they struggle um with whether or not there's an alignment between what they're doing vocationally and their calling. Um they struggle sometimes with a sense that God has called them to something but they have made other commitments in their life that uh prevent or prohibit them from doing the thing that they perceive God has called them to do. Talk a little bit about some of those struggles.
1: You know, I, you know when I was divorced in my early 30s, um, I felt like God put me on a shelf for about 10 years and that I couldn't do much ministry because of my divorce. Now, I wasn't the one who led the divorce. My first wife did that. Uh, but um, I understand that feeling of being called because God's calling is irrevocable, right? His gifting and his calling is, irrev- is irrevocable. Uh, and yet uh, you're not in a position where you can live it out very well. My advice in that situation is simply to stay close to God and be patient. Just wait on the Lord and find some things to do in the meantime until he is until he picks you up and puts you where he wants you and begins to use you again the way that in the fullness of your calling and the fullness of your gifting
0: so so forcing timing on something let's talk about that i am so tempted i feel like i've been pushing a rock up a hill for um some period of time in relationship to one particular vocation vocational thing and um, i finally decided earlier this week and i communicated this uh to the individual involved i'm not pushing the rock anymore i'm i'm we if god wants this to happen god is going to do it and i'm just gonna have to trust that um i don't know why it took me so long to get there but Uh, But talk about that. Talk about the the reality that it doesn't matter how hard you push. If it's not God's timing, it's not going to
1: happen. Yeah, and you will be pushing a rock up a hill, right?
0: It's ridiculous. It is.
1: It is ridiculous. You know, I have a calling to marry the Christian faith with business ownership, and I have for years wanted to do something at my church to get a ministry going to business owners, and yet it continues to be a fog for me. Now, you might be surprised to hear me say that, but it is. I Every time I go to try to start this or maybe to try to do a Saturday show or something like that, it just doesn't work out. And what that tells me is that it's not God's timing. I don't have the right resources. I don't have the right people. It's not God's timing. If I try to push it, all I'll do is fail. And and so when you push against God's timing, you will end up failing, and you may end up burning out in the process.
0: Bill English and I are talking about a whole uh, list of leadership lessons that we have learned from the life of David in a study of 1 Samuel. You can go uh, find it at bibleandbusiness.com. You can also download the PowerPoint there and teach it yourself. Just give Bill, uh, you know, appropriate credit. Um, Let's talk about passing the test of loneliness. Leadership is often very, very lonely.
1: It is, and if you don't have... um people that you can talk with it it will be a crushing loneliness okay it'll just be a crushing loneliness so uh in leadership you need to learn how to pour out your heart to god and you need to ask god to give you uh, a few people around you who are very supportive of who you are and what your mission is and people who who you can completely confide in and know that it won't go anywhere um Don't give in to the world's ideas of solutions here, like, you know, drowning your loneliness in TV or entertainment or movies or online stuff. Instead, uh, admit that you're disconnected and ask God to connect you both with himself and with a few other people around you. It's tough to do. Um, And so that's why I I think you probably found this when you were pastoring your church is that the people you could best identify with and confide in were other pastors of similar sized churches. Uh, There's a reason that leaders tend to connect with other leaders. And I
0: think that ministry is diverse and broad enough that I would say the connection with other Christians who view life as ministry regardless of um, where that ministry is taking place, re- regardless of the particular context of ministry, it's about connecting with other people who view their life as ministry mm-hmm. that has been important to me.
1: Yes, yes. I
0: mean, it's, sometimes it's actually, you know, it's been moms who whose work is largely inside their own home, discipling their own children, um, who have been the greatest ministry encouragement um, because there is so much of that that is like shepherding a flock. And yeah. so, um, you know, so uh, so yes, it's um, it's uh, our understanding of the uh, the varied ways in which God uses individuals. And that gets back to the uniqueness of calling uh, as well, which we touched on earlier. All right. The whole corpus of material is available at BibleAndBusiness.com, the leadership lessons that we learned from the life of David. Lots of other lessons here, like Today's Actions Have Future Consequences – uh, David does learn that it's difficult to be an effective leader when you have skeletons in the closet, uh, it, which is a good like Halloween um, message maybe. Um, and then you've got to <laughs> guard your actions and words today so that you can lead effectively tomorrow. All right, Bill, um, we're going to have to leave it right there. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to turn to the headlines next week when Bill English is back. He and I are going to... Uh, you know, bring the mind of Christ to bear on the business headlines of the day. That's uh, that's next week when Bill English joins us again. Thanks for being here today, Bill.
1: You bet. Thanks for having me.
0: We'll be right back. We'll be in you. Oh, in
1: you.
0: Are you sad? Are you um, anxious? Is there stress in your life? Has depression become um, a controlling influence? What about panic attacks? So Christians actually suffer um, these kinds of mental health challenges at uh, you know at, at rates that are similar to the population at large, and yet the church does not often talk about stress, anxiety, depression, mental illness, nor do we talk about. Um, how, as Christians, we can not only learn to live, but can actually live abundantly uh, if we are, you know, if we're just willing to uh, allow God to work with us on these things. So, up next, Rebecca Lyons. Uh, You might recognize her last name. She's the wife of Gabe Lyons. She is also uh, the author of Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for peace and purpose. Do you want to trade your stress and your anxiety for peace and purpose? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. So if you are navigating grief and you are trying to do so alone, or you are navigating grief with someone else, we want to invite you to navigate that grief with humor. We're offering a free course online. It's called Navigating Grief with Humor. It's taught by Professor Melissa Mork, the University of Northwestern St. Paul. Uh, It's designed both for those who are in grieving and those who are walking with those who are grieving. And you can find out more about it at myfaithradio.com. You can also register there. Registration's open until the 20th of October, so mm, time is short. So let's go ahead and register now for the Navigating Grief, Grief with Humor course. At myfaithradio.com.
1: Spoiler alert your teen craves boundaries. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Some parents cringe at the thought of doling out consequences, fearing it may harm a relationship with their teen. But I've found that young people actually want rules. For kids, the world makes more sense when they know what's accepted and what's not. They feel safer when they know where the boundaries are, and they find comfort in the consistency of parents who stick to the game plan. So the next time your teen steps out of line, no waffling on the consequences and showing that you mean what you say. Your teen won't thank you now, but later, he'll be grateful. My guess is that your son will build the same fences for his kids.
0: Parenting teens isn't for the faint of heart, Learn about Mark's upcoming events and check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Rebecca Lyons on. Let me just give one quick lost and found update. Um, We are the people who want to celebrate when the lost are found. And so I know that those of you who are listening in the Twin Cities just heard uh, in the news segment that there's a little boy in Becker, Minnesota still missing. He was actually located at about one this morning. And so we want to celebrate that that lost little child is found and back with his parents um, and that their stress and their anxiety is relieved this day, which is actually the subject of my conversation with Rebecca Lyons author of Rhythms of
2: Renewal. Rebecca, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Good morning. How are you? Good,
0: good morning. I am well. I am well. So this is really, um, this is a book we all need, because this is a question we all ask. It's one thing for me to um, recognize that I'm dealing with stress, that I'm suffering with anxiety. Um, maybe I even have been diagnosed with with depression. Um, it's another thing for me to actually have some practical tools to learn how to live differently. And that's really uh, what I feel like you are doing in this book. You are giving us very, very practical tools. You call them rhythms, um, that if I, would, if I would implement them, if I would walk in them, if I would learn to rest in, in them, then I could actually have this sustained emotional, spiritual, and relational health.
2: Correct. Yes, that's the goal. I think a lot of times we do pray for Peace and we 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 our faith is such a big part of our journey, but God made our bodies, He knows what we need, and He uses all means necessary for our healing. So the goal of this book is four simple rhythms Rest, restore, connect, create. Because I put science in every chapter with faith to show us that hey, when you give a hug for five seconds or more, it actual actually raises oxytocin in your brain, which is the feeling of connection and belonging, or a brisk walk outside, you know, raising your heart rate for 15 minutes will actually give you more serotonin in your brain, which is the happy hormone. So knowing that God put these things in in nature and in creation and created order with rhythm, he made our bodies in rhythm to, to conform with what he created with heartbeat and pulse and breathing. And so all of these practices actually slow our central nervous system, calm a racing mind, help sleep through the night. And these are all things for sustained emotional health.
0: Now, Rebecca, for those who don't know you, um and certainly don't know you well and have not yet read the book, they may be thinking to themselves, well, she has a great life. She has a life that is easy and well put together. She does not even know what she's talking about. Um take them <laughs> back or right, take them back to 2010. Um, Tell them uh, part of your story where this conversation really starts for you, because that your journey is really what then you then give each and every one of us in Rhythms of Renewal.
2: Sure. So in 2010, nine years ago, we moved our three children, one with special needs. My oldest has Down syndrome. Now my youngest, we've adopted one as well. So we have four ch- children, but at the time we had three, all in elementary school, moved from the suburbs of Atlanta to midtown Manhattan. So we sold most of what we had. It was very mission driven. We, w- we were helping on some planting trees. Che- Teams for churches, but also we run a nonprofit that helps uh, people of faith engage culture on the front lines from a thoughtful posture of how how do we stay curious, think well, and advance good in our cities. So. I thought this was going to be a midlife reset for meaning. Turns out I found surrender instead. And I can tell you today that meaning follows surrender. So four months into my time in in New York City, I have a, my first panic attack. It was rooted in claustrophobia for me. It began on an airplane and then it continued for over a year in planes, trains, elevators, subways and crowds. <laughs> so if you've been to New York City, you know it's impossible to avoid these things. And I began to live a life that was crippled. Small, I would take nine flights of stairs instead of risking to get on the elevator for fear of being trapped in a tight space. I would avoid subways, or if if it got too crowded, I'd try to claw the doors back open to hop off. So there was not a lot of rational things going on in my mind at that time. And faith was, again, a big part of crying out to God in that season. And about a year in, I do remember in prayer, just desperate in the middle of the night, just saying, Rescue me. And I was flooded with peace. And it was the first time I didn't have to escape a situation for the panic to calm down. And from that day forward, here we are now, you know, nine years into this, walking out a healing journey. So not only do I know that Jesus is our peace and the peace he offers us the world cannot give, but he also gives us rhythms and, and a framework for health and for our flourishing as sons and daughters of God. And it took me a long time to really pursue this, to make it my own, to integrate it into my everyday life, not as a task list, but as an undo list, to undo the things that were pulling me in all these different directions and creating chaos in my mind. And just getting back to the simplicity of resting, restoring my body, connecting with the people God's put around me, and then creating it it, with my purpose, with writing or calling or, or talents or passions so
0: one of the one of the rhythms that you talk about is actually just this like this very natural circadian rhythm that we we absolutely do not have, uh, or we re- we resist um, we 've exchanged it for some other uh, crazy screen rhythm, I think, um, but that 's one of the uh, parts of the input rhythm. Tell people how the book is structured because it 's not as if you know we 're going to do rest, restore, uh, connect, and create in four chapters, and be done i mean these are really. Uh, in-depth, expansive. I think each one of them, if I recall correctly, has like seven chapters on each one.
2: Right. So they begin with the two input rhythms, which are rest and restore. So rest is your inner life, your spiritual health. Restore is your physical life and your physical health. And then the output rhythms are connect and create. So connect, connect is your relational health, all about relationships. And then create is your vocational health, your calling or your purpose. And the reason I start them in that order is because you can't, So many of us are doing the output rhythms, but we're burning out. Our bodies are paying the price. We actually don't feel permission to rest. And so we have to go back to the baseline that we don't run to earn rest. We run fueled from a posture of rest. God rested. He commands us to rest. It's not optional to him. It's actually the day he rested after creation, he blessed that day. And I believe that rest precedes blessing. And so part of this is like, let's get back to the permission to rest, to come into his rest. Jesus says, come into my rest that requires pursuit. Rest is not numbing out or vegging out with like a whole episode, you know, season of Netflix. Rest is something that revitalizes us, that replenishes us, that restores and refuels us so that we now have something to offer the world or offer our families or offer our friends. So rest is so important for us. And then when we go into restore, it's all about what we eat. Are we, are we eating foods that God made for our nourishment or are we just, you know, operating off of sugar and caffeine and wondering why we have no energy later in the day. And then scholars believe Jesus walked 3,200 miles based on all the places he went in his three years of ministry. So Jesus was on the move. When he said, follow me, he meant use your legs, like actually get up and follow me. And I think we can get out in nature. We can have a prayer walk. We can behold God's beauty and feel, uh, feel, communion with him while we have this happy hormone that makes us feel connected, makes us feel loved and belong to our creator. And so part of these things are just so simple. It doesn't cost, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about a circadian rhythm, you know, a sunrise actually emits natural blue light that tells you to wake up and a sunset emits natural red light, which is melatonin for your body which tells you to go to sleep. So God made us in rhythm. We got outside of those boundaries with the digital revolution. It's not our fault. We you know, we it's convenient. But the problem is our bodies were never made to be awake all the time or to be stimulated all the time. And that's why almost 70 77% of society right now is showing physical symptoms of stress. That's almost 4 out of 5 of every one of us. And so if we don't get proactive to swim upstream in a culture that's telling us you never need to stop, then everyone is paying the price for that physically, emotionally, spiritually and relationally.
0: I'm talking with Rebecca Lyons. You can find her at Rebecca dot com. We're talking about her book, Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. my conversation now with Rebecca Lyons. She is the author of Rhythms of Renewal, and that's what we're talking about today. You can find her and all of her ministry information at RebeccaLyons.com. Uh, many many folks will recognize um, Gabe and uh, and Gabe Lyons because his program airs here on the Faith Radio Network on Saturdays and Sundays. You can check that out at MyFaithRadio.com. Um, there's also a Rhythms of Renewal podcast. Tell us about that, Rebecca.
2: Yes, it's actually called Rhythms for Life. And it well, is go. very much it is very much the content of the book about four rhythms we interview every week. My husband and I gave and I actually co-host that podcast. And we interview anyone from psychiatrists, psychologists, athletes, uh, neuroscientists, people who just are speaking to this um, from a lens of faith, of course, because we really do believe that, that, that God is about the holistic healing, the comprehensive healing of his sons and daughters. And so we think the more we know and understand our bodies and what they need, we understand with faith, honoring him, stewarding the days that we've been given physically, <laughs> emotionally, and spiritually, that that we can flourish. The church has to be something that the world would point in and look at and go, there's something there that I'm interested in. They seem to have they seem to have a peace that's beyond themselves, right? That's, that's the point that we can point to a fixed point of truth beyond ourselves. And so this is, this is a journey I think so many of us are on so that we, as, as the people of God, are not spinning out in a culture that's telling us lies or telling us that this alternate way is the way to live.
0: So you can find the Rhythms for Life podcast if you just go to RebeccaLyons.com. Um, the podcast is easily findable there. Um, Q Ideas is also a great uh, event that I thoroughly enjoy. And Q Commons is coming up on the 24th of the month. So just next week, it's going to be 7 to 9 p.m. It's happening in a city where you live, I can almost promise you. If you're in Minneapolis, it's happening at North House. If you're in Edina, it's happening at Christ Prez. If you're in Egan, it's happening at Oak Hills Church. Uh, so you go to the Q Ideas website and you find out where Q Commons, actually Qcommons.com, it's the letter Q and the word commons, Qcommons.com, um and click on uh, you know cities and find your city and sign up and go. Uh, it is if you want to help create a better future, this is a wonderful opportunity to engage right where you are with other people who are concerned about the city where you live. And um, and so let me just, you know, do that little ad for uh, for Q Ideas and Q Commons, right here in the middle of my conversation with Rebecca. I hope that's okay.
2: Sure. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be a fun night. It is gonna be a fun night. Okay, so um back to the book, Rhythms of Renewal. Um, I think discipleship is so much about making these exchanges. Uh, you use the word trade, but we're gonna make these trades. Like I do want to, I do want to trade all of the stress and anxiety in my life for peace. Um, talk about just your own experience of how that has happened.
2: Right. Well, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of time. And I did not want this book to feel like, hey, let's layer on you know, 28 more chapters of application for you. The point is, we're hopefully going to sleep at some point every day. So I write a chapter about routines for deep sleep, how to prepare your room for sleep, what to do with technology, where to put it, how to get it out of your face. (laughs) Uh, Also, um, we're going to eat every day at some point. So we're it's about mindful choices if we have a choice what are we going to put in our bodies you have a you have a choice to move you know so many of us have office jobs where we're inside for you know nine hours with a lunch break what are we going to proactively decide to do are we going to walk outside are we going to circle the block are we going to make sure that we're getting some you know input that's not conditioned air? air um, and then also we're going to also have relationships every day hopefully we have coworkers or family or friends we can choose to be proactive in the way we treat those things. Are we withholding forgiveness from someone? Are we, are we harboring resentment somewhere? Are we, do, does someone in our office or our family need to lead with vulnerability? If everyone's feeling the tension, someone just needs to own it and name it and, and start with conflict resolution. Apologize first. Again, these are just practical things that we have mindful ways of going, how do we, how do we lead from health? What, what would health look like? And then finally, in Create, we all are putting our hands to some sort of work that we're passionate about. But have we lost our passion? And then if so, let's examine, you know, the first chapter of the book is taking inventory of your life because it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. And so take inventory means look at all these areas in your life. What's right? What's wrong? What's confused? And what's missing? And sometimes you don't even know what's wrong or broken or or needs help until you get quiet long enough to to answer those questions. So every chapter at the end has three questions where you can reflect and go, "I want to if I really want to trade this stress for peace, if I want to trade this anxiety for purpose," then I have to take a proactive step towards this. And I think that's why people are responding to the book so well, because they're they're taking charge in some ways of their emotional health with God, obviously with their community. But they're thinking like, these are things I can put in place. They're not expensive. They're just strategic and they're intentional. And because of that, they start to see results.
0: It's, um, it's a real gift. And so thank you for it. The book is... Rhythms of Renewal, Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. We have three uh, copies of the book to give away. So you can either text us at 877-933-2484, or you can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Again, if you want uh, to enter a drawing for one of the three copies we have, I know we're going to have a lot of requests. So go ahead and, uh, and enter in uh, at 877-933-2484 or email me carmen at myfaithradio.com. You can find Rebecca Lyons at RebeccaLyons.com. Grab, grab the podcast, uh, get the book, jump into Q Ideas and Q Commons next week. Rebecca, thank you. Um, thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. All right. So uh, those of you who are already texting us, thank you uh, so much for responding. Let me encourage you to include your name, your mailing, your physical mailing address, because uh, the only way to actually uh, mail you a physical book is to have your physical mailing address. We'll have your phone number because it will show up on the text line. If you text in at 877-933-2484 to enter, enter the drawing for one of the copies we have of Rebecca Lyon's Rhythms of Renewal, just remember to include your name and your mailing address. Uh, you do the same thing if you, if you uh, email us, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Paul will be busy based on how fast people are uh, texting in right now. Um, let me encourage you today, again, to go be shiny. That's where we started the hour. Um, go be shiny out there today. Don't, um, put, don't put your faith or, uh, or the witness that God has given you under a bushel or under a basket or in a basement. Let it show forth into the world that God so loves that others might not see you, but see God, right? It's about being shiny and reflecting the goodness and the grace of the light that we know in Christ. All right, and then um, who are you going to sit with today? Um, As we are withing today, as we are with those who are struggling, as we are with those who are anxious or grieving, as we are with those who are waiting on news about a prodigal, as we are with those who are um, worried about someone who is lost spiritually or, uh, or physically, how are we with them? What does it look like to simply be present, have a ministry of presence today with another person? I'm with you. I'm for you. Um, think of the profound uh, comfort and encouragement it is to know that God is with us. Think of the profound encouragement that you can be by walking into the life of another person and simply saying, I'm here. I'm here. I am with you. That's my encouragement uh, to you today.